Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Trouble Tuesdays tonight on Passion, the night I reserve to answer your questions all evening long. So you can text them in at 514-800. You can feel free to call me as well at 514-7900-800. And some people have emailed me their questions as well to laurie at drlaurie.com, as this, tech, as this uh, emailer has it right now. Um, good evening, Dr. Laurie. A few weeks ago, you had a texter asking about threesomes. I joined in the conversation stating I had threesome I had a threesome with a married couple who were also personal friends. At the time, I was about 35, and I knew it caused an issue with them, and eventually we lost contact. If memory serves me correctly, we did it two or three times, and after the third time, he was getting jealous. After asking around about them, I finally found an acquaintance who knows her and was told she is currently single. I have I gave had him uh, gave him my cell number to give to her. That was about a week ago. This evening she called me, was on the phone for about 90 minutes. They divorced because of the problems the threesome caused. There were other factors, but she told me that was the trigger. But she, he were certain had the threesome not happened, they likely could have worked out the other things. They did see a marriage counselor, but to no avail. I feel terrible. She told me it wasn't my fault, but I cannot stop feeling bad about causing a divorce. Yes, it could have been anyone, but I have a heart. She was sure their marriage was solid enough for a threesome, but fantasy is one thing, reality another. Darn, I wish I could go back in time and say no and convince them not to do it. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think um, you know people often ask about threesomes, and um, yeah, it's a very, very common uh, fantasy for sure, but... This is one of the risks when you take a fantasy into reality because you can't, you can't foresee everything. You can't foresee how you might, how you're going to feel. At first, it might seem like, oh yeah, this is like what a great idea, without thinking it through and thinking about how you're going to feel watching your partner. Uh, with someone else, so all the jealous feelings that might arise, all kinds of stuff. If your relationship isn't um, is having some issues, doing this is certainly not going to uh, to solve it. But um, so it's just a warning, really. I mean, here's a situation. Thank you for writing back because you gave us the situation where it caused a real rift in the uh, in in the couple's relationship. <clears throat> all right. Uh, let's see, lived with, uh, I don't know if this is for me or for John, uh, lived with girlfriend four years, separated, but not divorced, bugged her often. She claimed too expensive. Ironically, about two or three months after we broke up, she finally received, oh, okay. Her official divorce paper. So this is, uh, following, uh, mine and John's conversation about how soon, or should you date someone or should you date before your divorce is final? Which is actually a very good question that we can put out there. If, uh, if you were divorced and I'm sure half of you have been divorced, did you date during the process of uh, divorce? Like just while you were separated, most people I know have dated during the separation process. They all, you know, up until like once you decide to leave a partner, oftentimes it's been a long road of uh, grieving the end of a relationship for some people, right? When they decide to leave. So the person who decides to leave may often 
um, feel like they're way over it. And so they feel ready to embark on, uh, on new relationships and oftentimes before the, the divorce is actually final. So uh, I don't know how you feel about it, but if you've been down that road, you can, uh, you can text in as well and, and share your stories at 514-800. Um, my boyfriend asks me to go on top. I don't particularly like going on top, maybe a little due to being self-conscious from being slightly overweight, but mainly because I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. He seems to lose his erection. If I go on top, he goes soft on me. The problem is it doesn't work for me when I'm on top. It doesn't feel good. And therefore I can't get into a rhythm. I feel sloppy and useless. I'm wondering if it has to do with the curvature of his penis. It curves down like a hook. Can you please suggest some positions that work best with that type of curvature, especially for when I go on top? This problem has shattered my self-confidence. I feel so bad at it that I just avoid having sex, which really isn't fair for my boyfriend. Please help me. So first of all, he, he likes you to go on top, probably because he does like to get a good look at you, which is a turn on for him. Your boobs are available. Your, 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 you, he can see you right. Uh, when he's, uh, when you are, uh, on top, especially like sitting on top, right. Um, it's not always easy to get that rhythm going. Granted, that's true. Uh, it could be because of the angle of his penis. It could be uncomfortable for him, which is why he might lose his erection. So you could foreplay it like that. So be on top to get the arousal going and then, um, and then alter, the positions as you go along and find a position that works for you. One text writes, she has to face the other direction. I think they call that reverse cowgirl maybe. Uh, so, I mean, that's an option of course, when it comes to a curve in the penis, you, yeah, there's a, you know, sometimes you have to, it is, it could be a bit awkward in terms of penetration. So you have to find the right, uh, uh, you have to guide the penis in more or less, and you have to, you know, move around a little bit until you, uh, until it can go in, um, comfortably for some women that curve in the penis is really great because it, it hits certain spots on the inside, like the, uh, the G spot area as well. So a lot of women actually, uh, like that, but the best position really is probably, um, missionary. I don't want you to worry about being inadequate. I think you're worried about being, feeling inadequate, useless, all you use all those words, but this is not why, um, he's going soft. It, it just could be the stimulation isn't right for him in that, in that particular, uh, position. So don't blame yourself and you, know, you got to learn to love yourself as well. And he clearly, loves to look at you and that arouses him. So, um, so go with that. Uh, let's see, uh, for me, rebound sex helped me through my divorce, but the thought of my ex having sex with someone else really bothered me. Men can be so territorial. It was okay for you. Uh, but you were uncomfortable with the, the thought of her having sex. Well, you guys divorced, you know, you separated. So, uh, that means, uh, you are free birds, right? Uh, let's see. Yeah. 514-800 to, uh, to text in. 
Hi, I am only able to have orgasms when my fiancé performs oral sex on me and not through penetration intercourse. Is that normal? Well, that is actually very uh, normal. We get that this question quite a bit, right? Maybe not as much as the premature ejaculation question, but nonetheless, from women, this is probably the number one question I get from women, and it's about orgasm during intercourse. So I'll repeat this statistic again. Close to 80% of women do not orgasm through penetration alone. They need uh, direct clitoral stimulation and that is achieved through oral sex, which is why you're great when you have your orgasms through oral sex and not through penetration. So this is why foreplay is really important for women. There's nothing wrong with you if you don't orgasm through penetration. You are just like every other mostly every other woman on earth. So uh, nothing to worry about, except that you want to, if you want to increase the likelihood of having uh, an orgasm through penetration, you still have to stimulate the clitoris at the same time. Find a way, either your partner or yourself or a sex toy that um, could provide the clitoral stimulation at the same time as you're having intercourse or a position that offers a more grinding action uh, for you. Uh, coming up, talking about uh, uncomfortable erections, painful erections. We'll answer that question and any others that you have right here on this Trouble Tuesdays. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Answering your sex questions, sex and relationship questions tonight. So if you've got them, send them along, 514-800 to text in. Or you can uh, always call me at 514-790-0800. And some people have emailed me their questions as well. And that's uh, that's fine too, Lori at drlori.com. Also, if there's anything you want to share, if you've been through uh, something similar that one of our texters or uh, people who question um, send in their questions and you want something uh, to add to that because you've been through it, then please do. Or maybe I missed something and uh, you want to add to that. Good. Do so. All right. I'm 60 years old. Uh, about a year ago, I started having uncomfortable erections. And a few months later, I developed an upward curve about 30 to 45 degrees just below the crown of my penis when erect. I saw a urologist who gave me prescriptions to several drugs um, he also suggested I try penile traction. The prescriptions were for about six weeks. They did cure the pain. The penis stretcher seemed to worsen the curve, so I stopped using it. At this point, I can still be sexually active, though the sight of my penis kind of grosses me out. Do you know of a urologist who specializes in this disease? So the disease is, uh, it's called Peyronie's disease, first of all, um, it, and it, it basically the main features or the, the main symptoms of Peyronie's disease is penile pain with erection, uh, either a thickening in the shaft of the penis or a curvature uh, in an erect penis that makes it um, difficult to, uh, well, either makes it painful to, to have uh, an erection uh, for sure, uh, or difficult to, to penetrate. So really what it is, it's uh, benign fibers or it's a benign fibrous condition of the penis. There's like plaques that are formed, uh, and it's, uh, basically it's, it's like this tough, uh, fibrous tissue 
that surrounds the the main erectile um, the bodies inside the the the, uh, the penis, and it doesn't stretch. It's basically think of it as uh, scar tissue, and so it looks somewhat there's a bit of a deformity with it, and sometimes the bend can be so drastic that sexual intercourse is actually impossible. Now, uh, sometimes this happens because of, um, an accident, like, um, very, uh, like thrusting that is, is rough, uh, or hard and you miss the entrance, for example, something like that. Uh, so that's, it could be a a vascular disease, uh, that you might want to check in a small percentage. It's, it, it could be due to a vascular, uh, disease. It can be due to some, uh, a fracture in, uh, it's not that it's a bone, but it can snap and that, that could have been. So I don't know if, if you had an accident or something, uh, happened to you there. So, uh, it's certainly something that needs to be, um, to be looked at. Uh, for the most part, people with Peyronie's don't necessarily need any, uh, any treatment because it doesn't usually interfere with sexual function. If it's minor, if it's major, it's hard to know because you, you've already been given the creams, the pills, uh, the, uh, the penile stretcher thing. And for some people it works and for some people it doesn't. I, I, I'm not sure if there's a way, there may be a way to have it surgically, um, remove some of the, the scar tissue. Um, but it's a, that's a possibility. So, and they can straighten the penis if, uh, through, through that kind of surgery. So I'm not sure, uh, who does it. I mean, there is a, Serge Carrier is a urologist that I know that, um, specializes in surgery. So he does like, he, you know, surgical stuff on the penis. So you might want to check him out. I'm not sure where he's practicing now, if it's at the Jewish general hospital or somewhere else. Uh, so that's a urologist that I know does surgery. So you might want to check that you'll be on a waiting list. I have to tell you, but the very first thing you have to do is get, a a referral from your GP, uh, for, um, maybe another, a urologist who specializes in, uh, in this area and then, uh, and see where that, uh, where it goes. So get yourself on that waiting list at the very least. Uh, let's see, uh, somebody's texting two sex tricks for missionary for women who have problems having orgasms that way. One, while he is inside, this is from a texter, by the way, not me. One, while he is inside, close your legs, his on the outside of yours, and have him move up on your body. Uh, if, it, if the penis is small, forget it. Two, put a small pillow under your butt. His penis will hit the G-spot. You can try closing leg method with pillow under butt. So thank you for that. Uh, yes, there's many things you can do. Uh, really what you're talking about is making sure that you have enough grinding action on your pubic area. So elevating you, um, is, is, uh, will, uh, help also putting a, um, like a rubber, a small rubber ball, like, you know, those squishy balls between you, like between the two pubic, the two pubises, uh, and that will increase the, uh, the friction as well. So that's something that you can do. 
Uh, hi, Dr. Lori. So I've struggled with depression for a few years, and as a result, I have a very low sex drive. I'm not taking uh, medication, uh, but I have gained a lot of weight due to my weight gain. I don't feel confident, plus a lack of sex drive has resulted in almost no sex. I feel really bad for my partner. I would say that if you've struggled for a few years with depression, you might want to get that depression treated with medication. One of the big signs of depression is a low sex drive. So I'm not sure why you haven't considered, or I don't know if you have, but discussed the option of, uh, of medication with your doctor, which could lift at least the depression to give you more, a little more joie de vivre, a little more, um, uh, pep so that you would, Maybe not that your libido necessarily would come back, but you might be responsive and uh, at least be more engaged in life. So it's very hard when when you struggle with depression and everything feels gloomy and and gray to see the joy and to see the light and all of that. So sometimes medication uh, could really help. I would also suggest that your uh, your partner maybe seek out some uh, support for, um, for like friends of uh, f- friends and families of people with mental illness. There are like Ami Quebec, Amcal, those kinds of groups. Uh, they offer support so that uh, your partner understands as well what is going on and <clears throat> and able to be patient and compassionate. And maybe the two of you can work on some other non, um, like non-sexual intimacy as well, because you don't want to let go of the intimate part of your, uh, relationship. It doesn't always have to be about having intercourse, but there can be some, some closeness and even naked closeness without necessarily doing that. And maybe even, uh, you know, discussing with your partner about your partner's sexual needs and see if there's something that could could accommodate in some way again doesn't have to be about intercourse for you but could be some foreplay whatever it is so if you're having trouble together and communicating about this even going to see a marriage counselor would be very helpful so that uh, you can both understand the like how depression works and then find some tools uh, to, to start feeling a bit better but I would check with your doctor if you're a candidate for uh, antidepressant medication but warning there are some sexual side effects to that but you have to weigh quality of life versus the the sexual side effects as well uh, can a hysterectomy or how can a hysterectomy affect your sex life uh, that's a very good question it depends what kind of hysterectomy so you can have a hysterectomy where they take out not just your uterus, but also your ovaries. If they take, or you can have a hysterectomy where they leave your ovaries and take out the, uh, the uterus, sometimes with the cervix, without the cervix. So <clears throat> if they take out the uh, ovaries, you no longer are producing estrogen and therefore you go straight into menopause if they leave your ovaries then you will not experience early menopause okay so those that because there's very uh, it's very very different how it affects your sex life if your hormones are still there then uh, you should not be experiencing vaginal dryness and 
maybe a bit of lower libido and possibly pain because of the vaginal dryness. Those would be the effects, really. But for a lot of women who uh, get early hysterectomies, meaning that it's it's early on in their, um, in other words, not like after 50 or 60, uh, but before menopause, they often feel like freedom. They don't get their periods anymore. They obviously had their, uh, their uteruses removed because of pain or some other issue that they don't have to worry about anymore. And so it can have a quite a positive effect on their, uh, on their sex life. If you go into menopause, you have to adapt. You have to make sure that you're using your lubricants and that, uh, uh, you uh, may be a, a candidate for intravaginal hormone replacement therapy as well. So these are the things that you need to uh, talk to your gynecologist about. There's um, <clears throat> Togus Tulandi. Dr. Togus Tulandi is a gynecologist at the Jewish General Hospital who wrote a book. Uh, I think it's uh, the book is called So You're Having a Hysterectomy or something like that. And, he, and in it, he gives you everything you need to know about a hysterectomy, all the different kinds, all the different um, uh, types of uh, surgeries that you can get to, to, to have a hysterectomy and, and then how to cope with, with it after. So I think that would be something that might be very important to, um, to read. And getting all the information, but you got to ask the questions, right? So if uh, you're going through that, ask the questions. Your doctor should, should have some answers for you. If you have questions for me, 514-800, you can call in at 514-790-0800. Every Tuesday, we've been doing this for, I'm not even sure, maybe it's a decade already. I, time, time is just flying by. Uh, but every Tuesday, reserve just to answer questions, even though I do answer questions throughout the week, but just at the beginning. So you can send them to me anytime. Just tune in and then uh, listen to listen to the answer at the beginning of every show. So 514-800. Um, another question, uh, this is about painful intercourse for a uh, woman, I believe. So we'll, uh, I'll answer that question next and, uh, and more, whatever you send my way. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Trouble Tuesdays tonight on Passion, where I answer your questions. Uh, Somebody texted in, on the hysterectomy topic, I'm 45, fibroid-causing issue. What about hysterectomy, where they leave ovaries but take out uterus tubes and cervix? Does this affect the nerves for sexual pleasure? What about the cuff after they take out cervix? Been reading and lots conflicting views. Thank you for your great show. Uh, So the women I've talked to who um, have had hysterectomies where they leave the ovaries have not really complained about um, it being an, having an effect on their sexual pleasure. It's true that sometimes some women experience a pleasure coming from the cervix also um, there's a you know again the, the the big structure of the of the clitoris is internal so there's it that isn't affected by any of that and by by a hysterectomy so you'd still have all those nerve endings there um, 
I haven't seen like the research on it. I haven't really looked at the research in depth to see this, but the most, more of the complaints come from when it's a complete hysterectomy with the ovaries removed because of uh, the hormones. So I have not really seen where um, it affects the nerves. In fact, so much of it is psychological in terms of, for especially for women who are getting rid of something that they that has caused them pain. They they're free from that, and so uh, often feel better uh, sexually as well. I've never enjoyed sex, but I want to enjoy it in a normal way. I wonder if there's anything wrong with me. It is very painful. I just can't wait to get it over. What can I do to make it more enjoyable? I'm in my mid-40s. That's a long time to be suffering with, uh, with pain, first of all. It's very, it's very hard to enjoy intercourse in any way if you're constantly feeling pain. Then all you want to do is, yeah, get it over with or avoid it, uh, avoid it altogether. But you want to get to the root of, the, of the, uh, the cause of this problem. Where is this pain coming from and why is it there? So we, we want to look at that. So we have to evaluate it. Where is the pain? Is the pain deep inside? That could be one problem. Is the pain just upon entry but then disappears uh, or lessens once the entry is, is done? So uh, that, that's a whole other problem. So we'd have to find out where, what kind of pain it is. On entry, there's something called provoked vulvodynia, which is basically a, um, it's, it's like a bunch of nerves that are extremely sensitive at the opening at the, at the, um, at the six o'clock mark. If you look at the vulva as a, as a clock, uh, in that area, but a doctor can very well, um, determine if that's what it is with a, they call it the Q-tip test because that it would, it would hurt even with when touched by, uh, by a Q-tip. So the best approach, first of all, is to have the evaluation and figure out what it is. So you want to see your gynecologist to at least do an exam to see. Oftentimes they'll find nothing. There's nothing to the naked eye, unfortunately. And so it makes it that much more complex, especially when we're talking about a provoked vulvodynia. If it's deep inside, it could be related to the position of the uterus, or it could be uh, fibroids, or it could be something else that's going on inside. But that would be uh, that they could see through an ultrasound. So treatment wise, when it's something so complex is twofold. One, it would be some, uh, psychological help as well to deal with, uh, the effects of this pain. The pain is very real. I'm not saying the pain is in your head. It's not the pain is very real, but it has an impact on your psyche, obviously on your psychological well-being and on the couple's psychological well-being. The second part of it, and, and now I do this anytime I see clients who have painful penetration, I always, always send them to see a pelvic floor physiotherapist. They are amazing at, at dealing with the structural problem and they can work with you where a gynecologist cannot. They just don't have the time to do this, but a pelvic floor physio will work inside the vagina. Like they will, you're, 
you're just positioned like you would be at the gynecologist's office and they are trained to work in that area and they can help you control the uh, the pain control uh, your vaginal muscles and and work with you in that respect and uh, with with some really good success so i would highly highly recommend a pelvic floor physiotherapist you can look it up uh, there's a few clinics now in Montreal. At one time, it was really hard to find a, a pelvic floor physio, but now more and more people are recognizing the importance of, uh, of this kind of specialty, and so uh, more people are being trained in this, uh, in this specialty. Uh, the only time my wife gets an orgasm is through using a vibrator. I would like to know if this is normal. Yes, so th there's nothing abnormal about it, so I'd rather say that. Um, what, you're, what you're seeing here is that is the vibrator is used on her clitoris. So clearly, uh, your wife is having her orgasms through clitoral stimulation, which I've said even today, that the majority of women need that clitoral stimulation in order to have their orgasm and it doesn't come through come from the penetration so maybe you could incorporate the vibrator use during uh, sexual intercourse or, or sexual play together so the the long and short of it is yes it's uh, normal that this is the preferred way or the way to uh, to achieve an orgasm because the, with the vibrator it's pretty intense right the stimulation the vibrations are more intense than say uh, a person's mouth or or, or finger can uh, can provide I recently lost my husband about four months ago I'm 50 years old he was the only man I was ever with now I find I have no interest in sex and I can't even give myself an orgasm is this normal um, this again this is not abnormal you uh, you went through a huge loss a very short time ago um, it wouldn't surprise me that you'd have no interest in sex. You uh, are probably suffering some depressive symptoms, as would be with you know most with a loss. I mean that would be a normal thing to uh, to experience. So your head isn't there, like you don't have libido or anything, and and that that is perfectly normal. Give yourself time to go through the, the process of grieving. Grief is a process and, and it's different for everybody. So give yourself a little bit of time and then, um, you know, go back to self-pleasuring, taking care of yourself. It would be part of taking care of yourself, but it's just your heart isn't in it. Your head isn't in it. And that's completely, completely understandable. 514-800, we still have a bit of time left if you have uh, any questions for me. Of course, you know you can always call in, right, at 514-790-0800. Our passion poet just did a Trouble Tuesday poem. Trouble Tuesday is the most interesting of all. Many text in, maybe may too shy to call. Dr. Lori helps us out, even a little help from a text. We all learn a little something, but Dr. Lori knows best. So don't be shy. You're not alone. You're not the only man who cannot sustain a bone. <laughs> That's from the Passion Poet. Man, it's becoming like a regular feature here on the show. Look at that from a listener. Uh, all right, here's another one I got by email. Uh, my girlfriend 
asked me to pee on her, so I did. She seems to be okay with it, so am I. She has done it on me, yet working on it, we are just trying new things here. Is this normal? Did you notice a theme about normal? Uh, Oftentimes, questions end up with, is this normal? Am I normal? Once again, there's no normal here. It's not about uh, normal. You're talking about experimenting with your partner, two consenting adults. If you're both okay with something, then uh, then that's fine. I, it would be interesting, though, to find out what is it that she finds arousing about it. Is it a humiliation play? Oftentimes it's related to, to something like that. But if, uh, if it's something that you're both comfortable with, as long as you don't drink the urine and, you know, you, I guess, protect your sheets or whatever, it's not dangerous. It's a kink. And if you're both okay with it, who are we to judge what you do in the bedroom, right? Uh, another question coming up about antidepressants. We'll, uh, we'll answer that and anything else you want to throw my way at 514-800. Passion with Dr. Lori Batido on CJAD 800. You still have a couple of minutes left if you have uh, any questions that you want me to answer here on uh, on this Trouble Tuesday. Uh, let's see what I got here. All right. Um, are depressants, I think you meant antidepressants, available over the counter or only on prescription? So antidepressants, it's uh, through... It's a prescript, a prescribed medication it has to be prescribed by your doctor and you have to be evaluated to see and then followed up. So if you're given antidepressants, your doctor will ask to see you every month to monitor uh, the side effects, to monitor whether you need to increase the dose or decrease the dose or whether that particular antidepressant is working for you or not, because it, there's no one size fits all. There's many, many antidepressants on the market. When you're seeing a doctor, if you're suffering from depression and, and your doctor's suggesting antidepressants, ask for the one that may give you the least sexual side effects or at least have them consider that or ask them if they give you whatever prescription they give you, uh, what are the sexual side effects? They often don't tell you, so you, you do have to ask. And oftentimes the sexual side effects are difficulty with erections for men, difficulty with orgasm for men and women, so de- a delayed uh, ejaculation uh, for men. And sometimes uh, it's it, it, men say it's like hard to ejaculate at all um, with the medication. So you're going to have to weigh that. Now, over-the-counter, there are uh, supplements that exist that have been studied, like St. John's wort. It's a natural product. I, I believe there have been studies on that. It's available over-the-counter, but uh, it's a, it's for very mild depression symptoms. It wouldn't work if you have uh, more, a, a more severe uh, a severe one. So that's something to, uh, to think about. Uh, let's see. Sometimes I have to read this before it goes to air. <laughs> uh, all right. This is about peeing. I can tell you my girlfriend and I do it sometimes. If the warm fluid on her breasts and clitoris, it has an erotica to it. 
Um, it says air if you want. It may be over the top. You see why I have to read it? So sometimes I, it's, I usually don't. I usually just go right into it. But sometimes I like, oh, wait a second. Uh, we even went as far once to put a condom on and I penetrated her and I peed in the condom, which is really difficult to do when you're in an erect state though. So that's interesting. Um, she loves it. Caution, hold the condom tight on the base of the penis or you may end up with a messy situation. Yes. And breaking the condom, a condom is not equipped to handle uh, the amount of urine. It's equipped to handle the spoonful of, uh, of ejaculate, but not the maybe several spoonfuls of, uh, of urine. So it's not something I would recommend just saying. Uh, let's see. I'm 28 years old. I have erectile dysfunction. I can't get erect when, and when I do, I come really fast just, but just before having intercourse. So if you're 28 years old with erectile dysfunction, that tells me that it's likely due to anxiety. It's very unlikely at 28 that there is uh, a physical problem, but there's one question I would ask you. And that would determine for me whether it was physical, like a physical cause or psychological. And that is, are you able to have an erection when you masturbate, when there's nobody around, when you are alone? If the answer is yes, then there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with your penis. There's nothing wrong with the way it functions. So it means that your brain is getting in the way. When you're with a partner, all of this anxiety, you got to think about what's going on in your head. Are you worried? Are you, uh, are you thinking too much? Um, all that kind of stuff. So that causes anxiety and anxiety reduces the, like it, it just will cause an erectile dysfunction right there. Uh, the blood will flow out of your uh, penis, not in to your penis. Remember that the body responds with a, a there's a flight or fight response to anxiety or fear. Uh, and, and this is what ends up happening. And also when you're in your brain, you're no longer in your body. So if you're, if your head is swimming with all kinds of worries, then you're not actually focusing on, um, what your, uh, what your body is experiencing. So you've got to learn to focus on bodily sensations rather than be distracted by your mind, which will do those two things. It'll cause either erectile dysfunction or it will, will cause premature ejaculation. Uh, you obviously never made a water bomb using a condom. You will be surprised. Oh yes, I've made a water bomb. We, we filled <laughs> a lot of people played with those, blow them up, and yes, they get very big. However, you're the you're not uh, thrusting with that, so it's the thrusting action that will cause it to uh, to break or what have you, and certainly to to leak out. So um, that's fine if you want to play games with the condoms but not inside the body. Use them properly. If you want to protect from pregnancy, of course, and you want to protect from STIs, if you don't care and you're just playing, then go right ahead. That's, that's a whole lot of things. Uh, wow. Got another one. I love golden showers. <laughs> Is that normal? Is there a theme tonight? The theme, there's two things, right? The, the peeing, urinating on somebody, and is that normal? That's the main theme. I noticed that sometimes on Trouble Tuesdays, it, it ends up being like, you know, all grouped together for some reason. So yes, it's a, this is a fetish. Uh, that's what being 
liking to be urinated on is called, the fetish is called golden showers. Actually, the fetish is actually called urophilia is the clinical uh, term for it. And like I said earlier, it's often related to humiliation play. because um, if you think about it, it's a, can be a, a humiliating uh, thing. So it's not about what's normal, what's not normal. It's a fetish, a, maybe a preference. If you always need it, it may cause a problem in your relationship unless your partner is gung-ho um, all the time to do that. So then it becomes a little more complex if you always need that to get aroused or if that's just something you enjoy doing and it's a preference and um, and it can happen sometimes and sometimes not. Of course, it's finding a willing partner who doesn't find it strange or who is willing to indulge you in, uh, in this kind of, uh, of play. So between two consenting adults, anything goes as long as it's uh, sane, safe, consensual, and certainly not illegal. Okay. Um, <laughs> what you really cheered me up from being depressed by causing the divorce. Oh, okay. From your uh, initial uh, email. Yeah. You're not responsible for someone else's uh, divorce, okay? Uh, Hi, Dr. Lori. My girlfriend and I just had a baby. We would like to know how long should we wait before having sex again? Well, that's a question that uh, you need to ask the gynecologist, but just as a a general rule, the follow-up visit is usually six weeks postpartum, and at that six-week mark is when the doctor gives you the green light, the go-ahead, or they check inside to make sure everything's healed properly and what have you. Some women take a lot longer to heal depending on the trauma that was done to done through the, the, the process of a vaginal birth, for example. That could be uh, tears on the inside that if you have intercourse too soon, then they keep reopening, and so you have a lot of pain. You need to give it time to heal. Some women take six months for their vaginas to heal. doesn't mean you can't be sexual. You just can't have intercourse because you need uh, that extra time to heal. And then there are others. I have a relative, I think, she was got pregnant immediately. Like she was postpartum, I think three weeks pregnant again. So they clearly had sex before the six week, uh, six week mark. So you have to remember, you could also get pregnant. You want to watch, you know, be careful for that. And, um, and also it's not just when is it safe to have sex or it's how does your partner feel about resuming sexual activity as well. So if your partner is uh, breastfeeding, for example, it, their desire for sex may uh, may not be there at all. That's what happens with the, the hormones released during um, during breastfeeding too. So those are some of the things that you um, you have to uh, to think about. But you can get the okay from the doctor if there are no complications and everything feels fine down there then just know that it can take a bit of time to feel for women to feel like it's normal again, uh, down there. Like it might feel different the first, um, the first few times. 
I think that's about it for the questions for tonight. If uh, you know, you can send them to me during the week as well. Uh, feel free to uh, send them to my email, laurie at drlaurie.com, or you can just go through my website, drlaurie.com. And uh, while you're there, if you uh, missed any of the shows, all the shows are there as podcasts now. So uh, you can scroll through, and I'm not even sure how far it goes back, but it goes back several months where you can uh, pick up some shows that you missed. Thank you so much for your questions, your texts. Thanks to our technical producer, Chris Aitken. Uh, and uh, again, you can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito. Don't forget, you can uh, like the Dr. Lori Batito page and you'll be alerted when we go live on Facebook as well. So our, um, when we have our panels, we often go live. So you can check that and you'll be, uh, you'll be alerted when we do that. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.